Do you remember getting love letters when you were younger? Did any of you ever write or receive love letters? Hmm? Yes, some of you, yes, okay. Um, kids, they called it letters. Okay, that's what I'm going to say. All right. It, we, we wrote letters to each other. We didn't text and we didn't, even, we didn't even call. We didn't even have cell phones to call each other on. We just, we wrote letters to each other when we weren't around because we, we had things we wanted to say, things we wanted to share and express. And, and so we put those down on paper. Um, or if you were really sophisticated, you got, down, you, you know, got on your typewriter or your, you know, hey, my dad has his brand new computer. Check it out. I'm going to I'm going to type out a letter for you and print it on a printer. It's going to look so awesome. And uh, we, we would do stuff like that. And then we would mail them. And they'd go through the mail and the postman would deliver it. And so those of you who remember that um, might remember if, say, say you had a girlfriend who was uh, gone for the summer from college and, and back home and, and you were... You were still living in your hometown and, and you were doing your thing and you missed your girlfriend and you knew she was over on the other side of the mountains and you were just, you would um, you'd come home every day from, your, from work or wherever and, and you'd go, uh, hey, so yeah, like um, mom, dad, or, or hey, roommates, um, any mail today? No? Okay, no big deal. But inside you were like, oh man, I wanted a letter today. You know, you're like waiting for the postman to come and so you can get that letter. And uh, I did that. I mean, I, I, I looked forward to that um, over and over again. And, and in fact, um, I found a letter here. Um, let's see. It's, it's, Mike, it's written to Michael Johnson, um, 1208 North Willow Street. Ellensburg, Washington. Um, this right here could go at a museum. I mean, it's this is like this is an artifact. Okay, this is what they call an artifact. I, I probably none of you want to actually hear what's written in this, though, right? <laughs> yes. All right. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. You you want to hear what's written in this? Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing. That would be embarrassing. Um, it is four pages of d a double-spaced, typed, ten-point font. Um, I won't read it all to you, but um, I got permission to do this, okay? So. Here's how it starts. Dear Michael, Hey, nani, nani, hey, nani, nani, hey, nani, nani, na-ani. Oops, sorry, I just had that chorus in my head. We were just listening to the Pocahontas soundtrack on the way back from Julie's house. Anyway, those words were part of the background chorus, and they kind of stick, you know what I mean? Now I'm listening to the Lion King soundtrack. I love it. Hmm, there's something or actually someone that I love as well, much more than the Lion King soundtrack. Now, who was that again? What was their name? Mark? No, that wasn't it. Mitchell? No, that wasn't it. Oh, I know, it was Methuselah. Yeah, that was it. Wait, that wasn't it. 
It was Michael. Yeah, Michael. He's the one I love. Woo. Glad I got that one all cleared up, aren't you? Um, it goes on. It goes on from there. It gets better. Um, that's the kind of thing that when you are in love, you will tear open the envelope and then you will read that over and over again and you'll ponder it and you'll look over and you go, what did she mean by this? What did she? You, now, you can't overthink things. So, full disclosure, that was written to me in the summer of 1995 and in September of 1995, I broke up with her. <laughs> there were things in there that scared me to death. And in February of 1996, we patched things back up and were married about a year later. So there's a happy ending to that. But, but you see what I'm saying? You see what love letters do to you? Okay, not that part of it. But when you read those letters, and you get those letters, what happens? Your affection for the sender goes up. You, you go, wow, look at what they're saying to me. Look at what they're telling me. I know, now I know more about that person's life and their thoughts and, and what is going on and, and that, that makes me love them even more. Right? It's awesome. It's beautiful. And here's the thing. That letter has been sitting in that envelope for more than 20 years. And I don't read it very often. It's kind of a, a, kind of a fun surprise. I, I pull this letter out and I... I, I read it and I go, oh, remember the time? Remember back in the day, right? But the reason why it's, it's sitting there like that, I don't read it over and over and over again now, is because I have the source right here. I have her right here. And I can love her every day. And she looks like she looked when I met her and she was 18 years old. And it's pretty awesome. God's word. God's word to us. God has given us his word. He has written us, some have called the Bible, his love letter to us. He has revealed himself and his ways and in a lot of different ways and a lot of different contexts and there's a lot of diversity in God's word. But his, he has written his word to us. And you know why we go back to it and read it over and over and over again is we have not yet seen him face to face. We have not come before his throne. And when we come before his throne in, the, in Revelation, his word which is beautiful for us and sustains us now, uh, we won't be reading the Bible in heaven. We will be loving Him and serving Him and worshiping Him. We'll be face to face with the God of the universe. Think about it. He who created all things. Did you catch that at the beginning of our worship gathering? Psalm 90? The, the heavens declare the majesty, the glory of God. The skies proclaim Him. 
Right? I mean, He has created all of that for us, the God of the universe. And He's loved us and cared for us and has given us His Word right here. We call it, it's the Bible. Scripture. God's Word. And it's for us. And we love it and we meditate on it and we worship Him. And when we read it, He raises our affections for Him. The one who has taught us. So, my friends, I want us to look at just a very short passage in Psalm 119. There's a one, there are 176 beautiful verses of Hebrew poetry in this psalm. Every one of them deserves to be meditated on and studied and, and, and to be deep in your heart. But I want us to look at just one stanza, one, one eight-verse section of this psalm and just meditate on, think about how beautiful God's Word is to us, that He has written to us. So, before you fall asleep, before you settle in too deeply, would you stand with me one more time? Psalm 119. Psalm 119, beginning at verse 97. And... Um, and, and follow along with me as I read these words aloud. Psalm 90, uh, 119 verse 97 begins. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, may uh, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Uh, go ahead and be seated and settle in. Here's the big idea. Bottom line up front for y'all. This is worth, I think, um, writing down and thinking about the truth of the God of the universe. The God of Genesis. The God of Psalm 19. The God of Psalm 104. These psalms that declare and these words that declare God our creator in majesty and beauty. The God of the universe is himself our teacher. That's where the words, these words come right out of this psalm. You have taught us. God himself is our teacher. That, in order that we may love his teaching. That we may love his teaching. He has taught us. God, God gave us this so we would love and, and meditate on and then obey, keep his teaching. This this uh, particular stanza of Psalm 119 begins with, Oh, how I love your law. Now, that's one word of many. 
that is used to describe God's revealed word and his ways to us. Especially in Psalm 119. In Psalm 119, this is a beautiful psalm. I already told you, it's got 176 verses. It's an acrostic. You know what that means? So when, you were, when, you're, when you're a child and your papa, or whatever Tim is called, gives you a book that's, that is, um, that is uh, what, uh, calculus for babies or something like that, and, and what does calculus for babies have? It's got the alphabet in it, right? You go A through Z. And you're learning calculus. You, the babies don't even know it. They're just having fun. And, but it goes through the letters of the alphabet. And that's what Psalm 119 is doing. It's going through the words uh, of, or going through the Hebrew alphabet. One letter at a time. And every stanza and we don't see this in English, and it's really kind of dis- disappointing. Um, but most of our Bibles have the name or the, the, the Hebrew letter or the, the word of the Hebrew letter separating each stanza, each eight-verse uh, section. But every one of those um, lines in that particular stanza begins with that Hebrew letter. It's kind of fun. So uh, it's, it's a beautifully constructed psalm. It's got all of these, these Hebrew letters. And, and it talks about God's law. It talks about his commandments. It talks about his testimonies, his precepts, his words, his rules, his statutes, his promises. Uh, it goes on. There's at least eight synonyms for God's law in this psalm. And the psalmist writes it because he wants to raise his readers' affections for God's Word and the God behind it. He wants us to read Psalm 119, and when we read from the beginning on, we go, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His precepts, who seek Him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, or, but walk in His ways. He said, if you will meditate on God's word, you will be blessed. That's pretty, that's pretty enticing to me. Like, I want to be blessed by God. I want that. And then I read it, and I realize the blessing is changing me from the inside out. <laughs> God's word is changing me from the inside out. Giving me a hunger for Him, a desire for Him, that I may know Him, that I may love Him more. And so, in this stanza, beginning with the Hebrew letter Mem, or Mame, verse 97, he says, Oh, how I love your law. You know how many times he says, I love your law, in Psalm 119? No, you don't. I'm going to tell you. So he, he, he says it 12 times. Twelve times in this psalm, he says, I love your law. I love it. I love your law. Here's what love is. That love is. It is, and I wrote this down because I didn't want to mess it up. If I, um, so let me, let me flip back in, in my notes. To desire something or someone in preference to all others. That's kind of like, I love my wife. I prefer my wife. That's kind of a, that kind of sounds bad. <laughs> I prefer my wife above all others. There's no other woman that I desire, that I want. 
aside from her. She is my number one. I love her. Now, what if, what if I start spending time with another woman? What if I start writing and receiving uh, letters from somebody else? Would you say, Michael, yeah, well, you know, he's got a lot of love to share, you know? I mean, he's got more than enough. And would you say he loves Cheryl? No, you would say, no, he doesn't love. What the heck is going on with him? What the heck? That's, that's where we need to call a, a, a members meeting and say, our pastor needs some church discipline because he doesn't love his wife. Right? That's what you would all, you'd all assume that and you would be right because now I'm no longer preferring her above all other women. That's what love is. And so when the psalmist says, I love your law, he's saying, I love what God has given to me and revealed to me above anything else that I can set my mind on, that I can study, that I can meditate on. He says, it is my meditation all the day. There are two words for meditate or meditation in the Hebrew Bible. And one of them means to kind of um, uh, uh, talk over or, or um, it's kind of like a dog um, uh, savoring a bone, you know, chewing on that soup bone and he'll do it for weeks and months maybe on end and just he'll come back to it and get every and kind of growl when you try to take it um, that's one word one word for meditation there's this word for meditation this other word is to repeat to rehearse it's it's really closer to study when you study something right Chris when you're studying Hebrew, you are going over and over and over. And then you're like, hey, honey, could you help me with my Hebrew voca vocab? And she's like, I've had enough of it. I don't know if Chelsea helps you with that, but um, I know I remember my wife going, enough. I don't want any more Hebrew words in my life or Greek words or whatever. But you're going over and over and over again. You're rehearsing it. Because why? Because you want it deep inside of you. You want to hide it in your heart. And that's what, the, that's what the psalmist is talking about right here. He loves God's law, God's revealed ways and words to him with such great passion that it's his meditation, it's his study. He rehearses God's law over and over. He studies it inside and out. He wants to know it and he wants to do it. The Bible Think about this. The Bible has 66 books. They were written over a period of time at least 1,500 years, if not more. There are dozens of authors, many of them unknown, unnamed. Many of them we do know, and many of them we have an idea of this is probably the author. Some of them, we're at a guess. There are, little, little, be, little behind the scenes here, more than 20,000, at least by some uh, research, 20,000 different manuscripts of the Bible. That's, that's 
that's Greek and Hebrew and other languages and um, tra old translations of the, the Bible itself that we as scholars around the world, uh, well, not we, but, but biblical scholars and translators look at when they're trying to figure out what is the best way to put this in English or some other language. I mean, it's, those are just a few facts or details. And then there are the genres. We've got Hebrew poetry right here. And within Hebrew poetry, the Psalms, there's all kinds of different kinds of Psalms. There's praise Psalms. There's Thanksgiving Psalms. There are devotion Psalms or wisdom Psalms. There are Psalms of lament. And then there's history. And then there are lists that are, that are also inspired by God. And then there are laws and rules and, and do this and don't do that and those are the things we get uncomfortable with. And then there are just wonderful uh, stories of, oh, that is so great. Oh, I love that story. That makes me feel good. Oh, maybe there's a moral to that. But all of those are pointing to Christ as the hero. Then there's Christ himself, the Gospels. The Gospels have all kinds of, there's teaching in there, there's sermons, there's there's the stories of Jesus himself. Je Jesus is speaking parables, and he's speaking um, he's speaking um, uh, parables, and he's also speaking um, proverbs and things like that. And then there's the Book of Acts. It's more history of the church and more sermons and teaching. And then, of course, all of the New Testament letters. And then there's some weird, weird stuff in the Bible, right? Um, David and Richard and I were looking at. Revelation chapter 10 this week and we're trying to figure out what's this weird angel with a foot on the land and a foot in the sea and there's some weird stuff in the Bible and there's some stuff that you probably don't want your children to read until they get a little bit older there's some crazy stuff in here the Bible is so amazing and beautiful and it all is about Jesus that's the amazing thing that 66 books and dozens of authors and at least 1,500, 1,600 years or more, it all points to Jesus. The psalmist says, Your commandments, your word, makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For your testimonies are my meditation. Again, he says, I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. He's talking about the benefits of God's word. We, he loves it. He meditates on it. And then he says, hey, there's a, there is a huge benefit to me and my life. That I, I have wisdom greater than my enemies. My enemies who, who, would, who would like to, to uh, insult me, harm me, put me down, say, we've got it all figured out. We've got all of the answers. We were looking at Psalm 12 yesterday, um, the three of us elders before we came home. And uh, in that psalm, Save, O Lord, he says, for the godly one is gone, for the faithful have vanished from among the children of man. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. <laughs> he goes on, he says, the words of the Lord are pure words, 
like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You, O Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. On every side the wicked prowl as vileness is exalted among the children of man. That's a lament psalm, by the way. <laughs> and it's, a, it's calling out to God, help me, save me from this world that we live in that is wicked, that is going to you know where in a handbasket, right? And he's saying, the words that people speak are lies. Just tune in to the Golden Globes or in a few weeks you can tune into the Oscars or not and listen to what they have to say about themselves and about the world and about what they value and what they believe is true. God's word is true. It's pure. You heard that in Psalm 19 as well. Makes us wiser than our enemies. I'm not saying that we should, we make, uh, we treat people in the world as our enemies. You don't know Jesus, you're my enemy. That's not what the psalmist is saying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we, that's how we need to apply it. But what he's saying is, all of those people who don't love God, they have a so-called wisdom. But we have God's word. It makes us wiser. His commandments. In fact, he, he goes on, he says, in fact, I have more understanding than my teacher. For your testimonies are my meditation. Just think about that. If you apply yourself to study God's word, that automatically puts you on a track to have more understanding than the ones who just simply say, yeah, here, listen to this. Um, follow this. Do this. But his, he's saying it's, it's because of meditating on it. Because of studying it that I gain understanding. Even, even over teachers who are there to help me and serve me and benefit me. He says the same kind of thing about the aged or the elders. Oh, hey. But... Not quite the same as what we are talking, what we have in the River Church, but you know, you can draw some parallels there. Why? Why does he have more understanding than the elders or the aged? Because he keeps God's precepts. He actually obeys. If you're a teacher, or if you're a, if you're an elder, or if you're if you're um, up in years, advanced in years. Great, beautiful, wonderful. I hope that as you advance in age or advance in your instruction of others, that you also advance in your meditation and your keeping of God's precepts. Lest someone come behind you <laughs> and press you out. And God begins to use somebody else rather than you. Hmm. It's a challenge for me when I see that. But do you see the benefits of that? Uh, it, let, me, let, me sh let me help shine some light on this. From, from a couple other places. And you could maybe jot these down in your notes and you can go back and, and look at them later if you wanted. But 2 Timothy um, chapter um, 3, 2 Timothy 3, verses 15 to 16. And it, it, Paul writes this letter to Timothy and says this. How, he says, how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. He's talking about the scriptures, God's word, laws, etc. Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 
And then he goes on, all Scripture is breathed out by God. His voice speaking to us and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. There's a benefit there to God's law in our lives. It makes us wise for salvation. It's helpful for all of those things. Reproof, training, teaching, correction so that we will be ready for every good work that God has for us. Then, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Remember what happened in Matthew chapter 4? Jesus had just been baptized, and the Holy Spirit took him into the desert where he was tempted by the devil. And the devil says, Hey, you're hungry. You've been out here for 40 days. You haven't eaten anything. Just speak the word, say the word, and you can turn the stone into bread, and then you'll have something to eat. And what does Jesus say? It's written, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 13. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so Jesus is saying, God's word, this is my benefit. This is what I feed on. I can go another day. I don't need to, to, to perform magic tricks. I don't need to listen to you, devil. I can resist that temptation because I live by God's word. Colossians 3.16, Paul exhorts us, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. Hmm. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's a, that was a shorthand for God's revealed word. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active. God's word is a beautiful thing. One commentator uh, in looking at this psalm said this, this poem breathes a spirit of devotion and celebrates the closest of relationships between the psalmist and Yahweh. When we look at and we see the benefits of that, we don't just go, yeah, this is going to be great for my life. It's going to help me be a better person. It's going to help me be more successful. It's drawing me closer to the teacher, the one who taught us, the one who reveals it to us. I think we need to be challenged by our love, uh, about our love for God's Word, our devotion to it. We need to be challenged because you, like me, will start out with all kinds of good intentions. I want to read my Bible. I want to be in the Word. I want to, I want to know God more and I want to love God. I want to study. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then we get hammered by the world. The, the, we, start, we start living our lives. And the, and the kids wake up in the middle of the night. And then, you know, people are sick. And then the car breaks down. And, you know, life happens. Yes. But then we're like, but you know, I really, I just want to veg out. I mean, this candy is not going to crush itself. <laughs> or, yeah, but that's, there's this new Netflix series I really want to binge on for the next three days. <laughs> Calvin says, John Calvin, writing about this, says, if any person boasts that he loves the divine law, 
and yet, yet neglects the study of it and applies his mind to other things, he betrays the, glo- the grossest hypocrisy. For the love of the law, and especially such as ardent love of it as the prophet here expresses, always produces continual meditation on it. And assuredly, unless God's law inflame and ravish, try to read my writing, ravish our hearts with the love of it, many allurements will quickly steal upon us and lead us every or away to, I don't even know what the last word is. Does it really matter? I, my handwriting is so atrocious. But do you see what he's saying? The many allurements? If we are not inflamed with God's law, if we, if, if it, if we do not allow it to ravish our hearts, <laughs> many allurements will quickly steal upon us. We will be taken away from it. We will apply our minds to other things. I mean, all Scripture is breathed out by God. Every bit of it. All 66 books. Even the lists. Even the genealogies. Breathed out by God. Useful for us. He wants us to learn from it. And so, here it is. How much time, let me ask you this. How much time do you spend every day Scrolling Facebook, or there you, or playing a game, or watching TV, or a movie, or you know we will we will we will sit down and we'll we'll think nothing of plugging a movie in or clicking the link. Want to watch this movie and spend two hours, two and a half hours, or if you're really hardcore and you're a Lord of the Rings fan, you know three and a half or four and a half hours at one time, and you're like you think nothing of it. And then we go, oh, I really want to read my Bible. Oh, I don't want to go. I mean, just like, I don't have time for it today. And, uh, and uh, I mean, you can read the entire Bible front to back in three months if you spend it an hour, spent an hour a day reading God's Word. You could read the entire Bible front to back in an entire year if you spent about 15 minutes a day devoting yourself to to reading it and meditating on it. I mean, those are, just, those are just numbers, okay? They're just numbers. But what, where does our heart, where is our heart drawn? Can we say, I love your law. I am devoted to it. I prefer it above all other things. Is that, can we say that? Can the River Church say that? We had a, a psalm reading. We had a gospel reading, and now here we are in a different psalm. I mean, holy cow, enough Bible already, right? We believe in God's Word. We believe this. Now, this is what we aspire to. It doesn't act, always end up being the actual thing that we value in our hearts day after day after day as individual followers of Jesus, part of this church. But we as a church have committed ourselves to God's Word. And so it is, it is a part of all of our worship gatherings. You'll never see me or anyone else from this pulpit preach out of another book. If you do, you're going to have to say something. That's what the comment cards are for. <laughs> Or, you know, 
well, let's have coffee. You know what I'm saying? We love God's word. We believe it. It's in our, when our missional communities gather, we, we use all kinds of wonderful resources there, but we are centered on God's law. When our discipleship groups get together and you're having coffee in the morning or you're meeting in the evening with, a, with, with friends, and what are we doing? If we're just shooting the breeze, we're not learn, we're not, that's not discipleship. We're in the Word. When we say, how should we lead as elders or deacons? We look to God's Word and we say, this is what God's Word instructs us to be and to do. Everything that we do is undergirded by Scripture. That's what we want. And where it's not, we're going to be like the Reformers. And we're going to change. And we're going to revert back. And we're going to go back. What is, how are we wrong? Where are we in error? Let's get this figured out. Let's get this squared away. We love God's law. And we want to do it. The last section of this of this song, the last four verses, I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules. Aside to what? To evil ways. To other things. Devoting himself to other things. No. He says, for why? For you have taught me. And that's the big idea that God of the God of the universe himself is our teacher. He's taught us. How dare we? If I were to go like this, and have Get this letter in the mail, look at it, scan through it, back in 1995, and went, I, I don't, it's not that I don't love the, the words, I don't love her. I don't, I don't want anything to do with her. I'm, I'm, I'm going to scan, I don't have time for this. Maybe, maybe I'll read it later. And I just, maybe I put it on my shelf. Maybe I put it in a safe place, but I never read it, I don't love her. I may love the thought of her. I may love the idea of getting letters in the mail. But I don't love her. And we look at God's Word and we realize that it's God Himself who is teaching us. God Himself who is drawing us. Come to me. Come to me. Learn from me. How sweet, He says, are your words to my taste sweeter than honey to my mouth? Through your precepts I get understanding. That's the understanding he was talking about earlier. Therefore, I hate every false way. The, the, there are uh, part of not only the benefits of God's law, but the, the consequences or the results is that we are on the right path. That we are on the way. We are going on the way that God has called us to. His words are sweet to our taste and they keep us on His way. In John chapter 6, Jesus asked His disciples, are you going to fall away from Me too just because the words I'm saying to you are hard and difficult? And they said, where else would we go, Jesus? You have the words of eternal life. And so, so, in the same vein, Paul says something in 1 Corinthians, says, the wisdom that has been revealed to us in the cross of Christ, in the, in the prophets and the apostles, and shown to us and, and in the person of Jesus, it's foolishness to other, other people. But to us, it's beautiful. It's lovely. We love it. We love the gospel. We love Christ. And we love His Word that reveals all of this to us. 
It is our wisdom. The psalmist in Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the one who does not uh, walk in the, in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the seat of scoffers or, or sit stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight, his love, is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. That, that's the other kind of meditation. He loves it. It keeps him on a straight path. Psalm 119, verse 11 was our Good News Club verse of the week on Thursday. I have stored up your word in my heart that that I might not sin against you. God's word keeps us on his path, on his way. And it is a beautiful path. It is a beautiful way. Matthew chapter 7, we heard that earlier. That the way is beautiful. The way keeps us safe and secure. The obedience to God's word. Jesus says, you hear my words and put them into practice. You actually do them. You keep them. You are like a man who built a house on a rock and it didn't fall. It's a good way. See, I want us as a church to be, oh man, I want us to be devoted to His Word. I want us to love His Word. I want it to transform us. I, that's, what, that's, what we, that's what we want. I want our affections to be raised higher and higher for Him and His ways and to, for us to be the kind of people that when, we, when people... At, when, when people are dealing with struggles and, and strife and they're, they're coming up to us and I, I got this going on. Man, the Word of God just flows out of us in blessing to them. And we don't know what to say. We, we don't have any plans. But then suddenly we're, we're faced with a crisis and the Holy Spirit brings His Word to our minds and we have something to say in the moment. And we're ready. And when temptation strikes, which it will, for you, today, this afternoon, as you leave here, and you want to argue with your spouse about something, or, or whatever, or when you're tired, when it's late, when you're alone, and temptation strikes. Man, God's Word. I want God's Word to be there for you. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is not just a practical do this, do that, everything's going to go well with you. But this is about finding, seeing the beauty of God in His word. Not fear, but love. When your um, when your jazz band instructor is throwing chairs at you, it doesn't really make you want to play. Or it doesn't really free you up to play well. You may want to play the right notes because you don't want to be punished. But it doesn't make you want to 
to play beautifully and for joy and for love of your teacher. But God has come to us and He's given us His word, word. And He's shown us His love in this. That while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. That scripture points us to Jesus, points us to His mercy, points us to His grace, points us to how much He has loved us. He has given us a love letter and it fills our heart with joy. And it is sweet to our taste. And we want to play. We want to play beautifully. We are now free to meditate on, to study His Word and to live the life that He's called us to live because we love our teacher. We want to please Him. I love God's Word. And I love studying it. And by God's grace, that love was planted in my heart long ago before I ever thought I would be a teacher of the Word, a pastor or a preacher. I love it. And I want to serve Him. I want to play beautifully. I want, I want us to join together to play our parts, each of us, in the same way. So, would you accept, accept this word as an as a inspiration, as a motivation to you to be devoted to, to um, study and, and learn from the teacher? through God's Word, maybe this will be the year of some significant breakthroughs in your lives or to take you to another level of your transformation and the joy and the love that you have for Him. All because you have devoted yourself to Him and His words and His ways. Let's do that together, shall we?